This is Weon, and you're listening to Gravitas Podcast, making sense of the news. Both Ukraine and Russia are pursuing dual tracks, war on the ground, diplomacy on the phone. Until now, both fronts were stuck. The war is slow and painful, and so is diplomacy. But now there seems to be some progress. Today was the fourth round of direct talks between Ukraine and Russia. The first three were in-person talks. This one was over video call. Why was this round different? Because the sentiment in both camps was a lot more optimistic. Both Russia and Ukraine predicted success. Kiev said results could be achieved in days. Moscow hinted at a possible joint declaration, so the mood was buoyant. What about the results? Day one has ended. The talks will resume again tomorrow. Ukraine went in with two major demands. Number one, an immediate ceasefire. Number two, a withdrawal of Russian troops. Basically, end the war and then we can talk politics. President Zelensky has an idea to fast-track diplomacy, a direct meeting between him and Vladimir Putin. Representatives of our countries are holding daily talks via video conference. Our delegation has a clear task to do everything to arrange the meeting of the presidents. The meeting I'm sure people are waiting for. It's clear that it's a difficult story, a difficult path, but we need that path. You can understand why Zelensky is desperate. His army has put up a great fight, but Russia's military superiority is coming through. The bigger question is this. Why is Russia looking for talks? If, it stays on the if he stays on the battlefield, Vladimir Putin wins. So why bother with talks at all? Well, we can think of two reasons. A. Regime changes can be ugly business. You can swap the leaders, but not the public sentiment. A better option is to retain Zelensky. But on one condition, that Zelensky himself agrees to Russia's demands. And B, economic relief. Russia may win this war eventually, but until then, its economy will suffer. Soldiers, missiles, warships, all of it drains the Russian treasury. So Vladimir Putin will prefer talks to war. But where will they talk? Who will mediate? Turkey, we know, tried last week. They hosted foreign ministers from Ukraine and Russia. No luck. The talks ended without any progress. So a new mediator has emerged. Israel. Prime Minister Naftali Bennett is the new peace broker and Zelensky rates him highly. He wants Bennett to host Ukraine-Russia talks in Jerusalem. He wants Israel to guarantee Ukraine's safety. The question is, is Israel up for it? Well, over the weekend, conflicting reports emerged. Some said that Bennett was asking Zelensky to surrender, to accept Vladimir Putin's demands. But Israeli officials deny these claims. They say no such interaction took place. Either way, why is Naftali Bennett trying to mediate in the first place? France failed, Germany failed, Turkey failed. So what hope does Israel have? Frankly, it's a gamble by the Israeli Prime Minister. He leads a coalition government in his country. His credentials are constantly questioned at home. This mediation could change that. It could increase his political stature. Plus, Israel needs Russia's help in Syria. The Syrian airspace is controlled by Putin. Without his help, Israel cannot strike Iranian proxies. At the same time, Israel has an emotional obligation here. Remember, around 200,000 Jews lived in Ukraine before this war. Their president, Zelensky, is Jewish. So supporting Ukraine will appease Naftali Bennett's right-wing voters at home. But what if the mediation fails? 
that is the big worry for Israel. The U.S. and Ukraine are piling the pressure on Bennett. They want him to sanction Russia. So far, Bennett has refused to buckle, but today he made a key concession. Israel's foreign minister promised to comply with international actions. What does that mean, complying with international actions? It means that Israel will not help Russia bypass the sanctions. It shows you how delicate the situation is, not just for Ukraine and Russia, but for leaders like Bennett and Erdogan. The sentiments are good, the communication is clear, the last thing we need is an escalation. But that's exactly what NATO is doing. They have kicked off a massive military exercise in Norway. It's called Cold Response 2022. Just how big is it? 30,000 soldiers, 200 aircraft, 50 vessels. Now these drills are held every year. But 2022 is not like every year. Russia is waging a war over NATO expansion. After days of fighting, there is some hope for diplomacy. And what does NATO do? Organize a massive military exercise. What's worse, Finland and Sweden have also joined these drills. Remember, Finland and Sweden are neutral countries. But this time, they're also participating. Did nobody tell NATO to read the room? Moscow has criticized the joint exercises. Here's what their embassy in Norway said. Any buildup of NATO military capabilities near Russia's borders does not help to strengthen security in the region. Now, just to be clear, nobody needs a security lesson from Russia. Their actions speak louder than their words. But why is NATO poking the angry Russian bear? Earlier this month, the U.S. postponed a routine missile test. The idea was to de-escalate tensions. That was a wise choice. This military drill by NATO is not. Right now, all efforts should be made to silence the guns, to give diplomacy a chance. Deploying 30,000 soldiers in Norway is not going to achieve that. It will only make Vladimir Putin more paranoid.